girl next door. Happy holidays to you. <laughs> I'm like, hey, tomorrow. I don't know which song that was, but it sounded very merry. It did sound very merry. <laughs> We're good at Happy the sing song improv. <laughs> are we though? <laughs> I like to think we are. We are. We are. In fact, all my plans for the entire holiday involve like karaoke machines at home oh. and like personal. I got our neighbor, like my one of my good friend's daughters, this microphone. That, it's just this Bluetooth microphone so you can sing along to songs that you stream on your phone. That's super cool. I'm going to have to borrow it from her. Yeah, for sure. I've seen some in stores that are like gold. They look super profesh. Britney Spears stage quality blingy microphones. Yeah. Super, like yeah, totally yeah, yeah. for karaoke. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm getting like a full on Bluetooth karaoke machine for our house. Oh, that's so good. So you're going to, so you're going to have to, I don't know. You're going to have to come over and just sing here and it'll have all the words on the screen. Love it. And you can use CDs with it or stream things. And then I think there's a feature where it like dulls the vocals of the original. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So you have, it's, they're like backup singers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cause that's how it should be. Right. Beyonce is your backup singer. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> you should be center stage. They can be in you the background. Be. That's right. This is your life. Mm-hmm. Own it. Yep. Grab it. Go after yep. it. Totes. And this is this is Curl Next Door Podcast. And I'm Stephanie Podolik. And I'm Tamara Robbins Griffith. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening. You know, some days last week it was like a, a wellness uh, self-care podcast. Yeah. This week, and who knows? This week, it's odds and sods. We're going to do oh, a yeah. bunch of mini bios for you today. And I sort of feel like all my updates are also like mini tidbits for you. Oh, hit me with some mini tidbit okay. updates. Okay. First of are all... They, are they Timbits? Are they Bieber bits? Biebs? Are they Tim Biebs? <laughs> no. Have you tried them? No, but it looks like such a marketing gimmick that's working. It's just like they're Timbits. I don't understand, but I get it that it's clever marketing, but... They just seem like Timbits with different packaging. Well, the flavors aren't part of their regular flavor series. No? No, except that I think what they've done is they've combined two flavors. So whatever, let's say they had eight flavors available of Timbits on a regular day and one was chocolate and one was vanilla sprinkle. One of the Timbeebs is chocolate vanilla sprinkle. They've sort of mashed. I I think what they've done is mashed it up. Because it doesn't seem like they're reinventing the donut. No. They're, and they're not would earth be, shattering. No. And I'm no expert, but I would imagine in food science, it's quite cumbersome to create a new flavor profile for a temporary Timbit. The amount right? of R&D that would have to go into it. A lot of R&D. It's like those cars, right? They can't do the orange margarita in like every factory. It's just too much work. Yeah, totally. We're This is how it's made. <laughs> featuring tomorrow and stuff we're going to teach you about car manufacturing and donut manufacturing (laughs) yeah there's a lot of r&d that goes into those donuts yeah i'm sure i'm sure there is so tell me okay oh where do i start first of all a few episodes ago you were telling me to watch made yes which i watched and crushed like crushed it yeah and In the middle of episode one, I paused and I went online and made a donation to a food bank because Uh I was, it was, that show is an emotional journey. It resolves itself in the best way that it can. Yeah. But it, like that first episode was extremely difficult, but I would, I would say to listeners, definitely watch it Mm -hmm. and watch at least two because the first first episode is so hard. I think so. Yeah. Because the first episode is so hard to watch. Mm Mm-hmm. Because everything bad happens to this woman. Right. Sometimes as a TV watcher, you you don't want something so emotionally distressing. A lot of people watch TV to just unwind and unplug and want fluff. Like that's why Christmas movies are so popular, right? <laughs> so yeah. my recommendation is definitely watch it. It was educational and 
at least commit to two episodes before bailing. Mm-hmm. And one you, won't, of the things, you won't bail. One of the things that I really liked about it was that a lot of the characters were kind of fully fleshed out, imperfect human beings. They weren't caricatures. So even her abusive ex-husband partner, you know, you see the softer side of him as well. Yes. And and obviously her mother, who we talked about on the show, and, yes. he, and the employer who's like the very wealthy lady who's paying to have her clean the house, this enormous yes. house. Like also she, you know, they could have just painted her as sort of a rich bitch, right? But right. she's a fully realized human character with good qualities and bad qualities. Yeah, and I would say that's the case for all of them. And it actually mm-hmm. takes you on um, kind of a journey, like a journey, a character journey with all of them, because at various stages of the series, I loved those characters and I hated those characters equally. Right. Yeah. Even the abusive ex, at some points you're like, oh, he's turning a corner. It's going to yeah. be okay. Yeah. And they hook you. Yeah. It's clever, actually. Yeah. So you're really yeah. committed to everybody's outcome because of their warts. But my friend Anna just told me she hates Andy McDowell. It's just her thing. She she can't even really articulate why. Yeah. She said ever since four weddings at a funeral or whatever. She doesn't like the way she sounds or whatever. Her character I found difficult to watch. Oh, yeah. But that was, was a, bit, a difficult character. She played it well. I see why you thought she's award worthy. I see. Mm-hmm. I totally see that. She portrayed it beautifully. Because actually coming out of Four Weddings and the Funeral, I kind of questioned her acting chops, but this mm-hmm. particular role for her was excellent. I just didn't like the character very much. Oh, no. She was pretty awful. Yeah. There's been a lot of horrible mothers on the podcast. <laughs> and yeah. not our mothers. No. But, um, <laughs> but in the podcast and in some books I've been reading lately too, just horrible mother characters who are mm-hmm. just a mess and the mm-hmm. child survives despite this. Yes. Okay. So that's made. The other thing I wanted to tell you is I was out with some friends on the weekend and one of them just got a new cat and it was a Devon Rex. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) And so in my entire history, I don't know, I'm not a cat person. I could not name one breed of cat until (laughs) <laughs> Two weeks ago, when you introduced me to the Devon Rex, I could actually have an informed conversation with this friend about her Devon Rex. And it's such, it's a baby, so the hair hasn't grown in. The curls are still coming, Aww. which is totally cute. And I ended up telling her all about our podcast and how you introduced me to the Devon Rex. Oh my God. Hilarious. Okay. And then the last thing is I was desperate for my bangs to be trimmed. Because I've been cutting my own hair out of pure laziness. There's no excuse. And I finally just went into a shop in the neighborhood and got her to cut my bangs. And the first thing she said is, but you have curls. Oh. And you said, you're fired. Oh, it was my first time in this shop. There's so many hair salons in my neighborhood. So I thought I'd try out this new gal. Nuh-uh-uh. I was committed. Did she do do an okay job? As a matter of fact, she did. So but now I'm super attitude. torn. Well, yeah. yeah. Get with the program. Get and then with it. Get with it. Yeah. And also so many people in the curly hair groups on Facebook keep asking the hive, should I get curly bangs? And the answer is always yes. Yeah. Do it. Do, do it, it, do it, do it. Try it. Yeah. And if your it's stylist like, says no, because you have curls, you shouldn't have curly bangs, get a new stylist. 100%. Yeah. Well... I'm glad you were able. I've got a haircut coming up and I figure since it'll be in right before Christmas, I can wait and let Joey do it. So I'm not really, but I, I don't know when your bangs get really long. Do you do the side sweep kind of? Yeah, I do. I do the side sweep, Mm -hmm. but it gets a bit annoying because I was doing the side sweep and then had to to pin it. Oh, was it cute though? Pinned? Sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's all the news that's fit to print, as my mother would say. (laughs) Fit to print. Have you ever heard that? (laughs) That's Morse code, possibly. But oh, that was Morse code. You You have to do the typewriter with the ting. 
Ding, ding, ding. So my only, my only bit of update is that I want to know if I'm the only person out there who, okay, so I do my product. I'm letting Mm -hmm. it dry. Mm -hmm. It's, I've got the cast. It's like a hard, crunchy cast. And then sometimes I, if I have like a meeting or something, I just want all the moisture gone from my hair. So I will drive in the car with my cast on and I will wait till that last minute to floof it up and scrunch the crunch out. Yeah, because otherwise it'll frizz up. Yeah, don't touch it. Don't scrunch it when it's wet. So I drive around and I'm like last possible minute before my meeting, before a TV show, whatever it is. But then some days, depending on the product, it's all of a sudden there's little white pieces falling out. And I I feel like I have to explain, like, I don't have dandruff. It's just my cast. Yeah, that happens to me too. So I'm not alone. No. But if you have that on a black sweater... Yeah, it looks like dandruff. It looks like dandruff, but, but it's, it's hair, not. It's hair stuff. It's like it's product, product, dried product residue that you need to kind of get out. So how it's like I need a T-shirt made that says, "I I don't have dandruff. It's just my cast." But <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. We'll make those. That's shirts. awesome. And then yeah. there will be like maybe if we can get hundreds of people wearing them then it'll become a socially acceptable thing. Okay. What else? What else? Christmas. So Christmas, 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 I'm super excited about our episode today. I love doing mini bios. We're going to do, I guess, a sort of back and forth, super quick mini bio volley. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And these are people we wanted to bio that in some cases are so complicated that they're too intimidating to write a full bio on. But in my case today, they're just... There's not a ton of info, so they're great as little bite-sized bios. They're people mm-hmm. that I've thought about featuring over the last year, but haven't. Right. Or sometimes it's just like, just throw it in here so you're like, yes, we couldn't have this podcast without mentioning that person, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. something like that. I don't know. Yep. Who knows what it would be? I considered a lot of different avenues I could have gone down because it's easier to research for a mini, but then it still comes down to like, what do I feel like talking about today? Yeah. Or, you know, I'm you know, not that I did all my research today, but I did. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's okay too. That's okay because this is a place of self acceptance and self compassion and honesty. So who goes first? Uh, why don't I go first? Because you went first last time. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. Hit me, baby, one more time. I got to just get my bits. Okay. My first mini bio is about Andy Sweet. Who is that? Let me tell you. My sources are Wikipedia, as well as a documentary film called The Last Resort, which I watched, I think I got it from Canopy, which is the free movie rental through the Toronto Public Library. Yeah. I highly recommend you watch it. And let me tell you why. All right. Andy Sweet was born in 1953 in Miami Beach, Florida, USA, Earth. (laughs) He was an avid photographer, even in childhood. He was known by his family to always have a camera hanging off his neck, even as a kid, which is totally cute. And his is a story of two halves. There's some beauty in this story, and there's also tragedy in this story. His main photography subjects were of the Jewish population in South Beach during the 70s and the 80s. And it's a really special time in the history of the Jewish community of Florida, actually, or of Where, the USA. What, what year was he born? Did you tell He me? was born in 1953. Okay. And not that I'm going to go deep here, except that there was a huge, huge Jewish population who hung out in South Beach, Miami Beach, before it got to the gentrification and modern place that it is today. South Beach is sort of like it had this heyday in the the Art Deco decades. And then it's sort of... Plateau. It's sort of plateaued. And that's when all of these Jewish people would move there. And then it gentrified 
in the 80s. And this is when hoteliers started to realize these Art Deco hotels were absolutely incredible. And they started buying up the strip and modernizing everything. And that's part of this story too. So Andy Sweet, who grew up in and around this part of South Beach, was there at sort of its heyday. And many people in the Jewish community who lived there were Holocaust survivors. And so in their retirement, they all moved to Florida and that's where they went in Florida. And Andy Sweet, who always knew he was going to be a photographer, was trying to capture this really special time in Miami Beach's history because he could tell like, this is really important. There's this huge contingent of Jewish people here. They're Holocaust survivors. They're here because it's warm and they want community. Mm-hmm. Really, really important. But and is there it, something like about we survived this horrible thing, so now we're going to try and go to like paradise? Yeah, I mean, I think what happened is when the when these Holocaust survivors got to the U.S. in the 40s, they lived their life, what they could live out of their life, and then at retirement, they moved to Florida. Hmm. You know, early retirement, they moved to Florida, or some of them just moved to Florida because it was warm. And so, you know, it was really in its heyday in the 50s and 60s. And Andy Sweet, when he started doing all this photography in the 70s and 80s, this special era of, you know, 40 years was starting to wind to a close because a lot of the people in this community were aging out. They were passing away. And also because it started to get gentrified, a lot of these elderly people could no longer afford to live there. It's actually, that's a bit of a sad story tied to this. It's featured in The Last Resort, the documentary. Andy Sweet took thousands and thousands of photos of the community there. And the work was called The Miami Beach Project. Hmm. And that's the beautiful side of this story is that this young man, he was in his 20s, teens and 20s, spent all this time with these older people on the beach. There was a huge generation gap, but everybody knew who he was. And he created all these really nice relationships with all the, the bubbies on the beach, which is totally Aww. cute. So cute. Where's the documentary? Where can you uh, stream I, it? I found it on Canopy. Oh, right. You said yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Now, so that's the beautiful side of the story. The tragedy side is twofold. First of all, Andy Sweet got caught up in a bit of a nefarious or a bit of a seedy underbelly side of Miami Beach. And very unfortunately, he got brutally murdered at the age of 28 in 1982. He was a very young man and he was taken away in the prime of his life and the prime of his art. He was stabbed 29 times, which is just (gasps) gross. And ultimately, two men got charged for his murder, and they said that they killed him because they were looking for cocaine. Oh, God. Yeah, it's awful. But and that then a third... Mm, 29 times, like, that seems like a rage. There's emotion behind it, not just, I'm looking for drugs. Yeah, and then a third man got convicted, and he got sent to a psychiatric facility. So I don't know if there was a, an some episode kind of, of some kind issue. that... that caused this right and it was in his apartment so i'm not going to get into the murders here it's just part of the story his parents were so distressed obviously and he had thousands of photos and negatives and they sent them to a storage facility because at the time they just didn't know what to do with it they had so much work and they were so distraught that they just put everything in a storage facility and, you know, wanted to deal with it later. And then another tragedy, they learned in 1996 that the storage facility lost the boxes. (gasps) So all of his work was gone and the family was so distressed because they felt like they lost him twice, once in life and once in art, which is really sad. But lo and behold, 10 years later, his sister found... 30 boxes of contact sheets Wow! in a family storage facility. And at the time, and since then, the technology to turn those contact sheets back into photography is so much easier. Right. And her husband, who's also a photographer, has been painstakingly restoring these photos for the last many years. Oh, cool. Because there's so many of them. And now they've got all these great galleries and beautiful photos. It's, it's a real delight to see them. Because mm-hmm. this, all this 
moment in time, you know, it was kind of a, ta- a time capsule of the Jewish community in South Beach that he captured mm-hmm. and he only he captured it and they, mm-hmm. they thought it was all gone. And yeah. now they're recovering all of these beautiful photos and they're sharing it in art galleries and that kind of thing. Anyway, so Andy Sweet, it's a story of highs and lows. Definitely worth watching the documentary. Cool. The Last so- Resort. For those of us who'd never heard of him, like, what does he look like? Give us an actor. Like, if there was a movie about him, like a biopic, who would play him? That one's tough. Mm -hmm. He was tall and slim with thick, curly hair. He, you know, young, fresh-faced, totally cute. Uh, Looks like the kind of guy you'd want to be friends with. I'm looking him up now. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out. So who would play him in a movie? So he's got, like, one of those actors that kind of looks a little bit like James Franco. And he's got a big megawatt smile and curly dark hair. He's really uh, handsome. Good yeah, one. Yeah, and you know what? It it's actually a great question because hearing the story again, it's a it would be a good feature film. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. All right, so I will go next, and mm-hmm. I am going to tell you a little bit about Melanie Tandy Newton. Oh, Tandy Tandy Newton. Newton. Yeah, she's great. So the one of the reasons I had to talk about her today is because she's been like my hair crush, basically. When I have over the years with bangs, without bangs, when I brought pictures to the hairdresser and said, can I try this style of cut? Usually they're pictures of her. She has some really nice, natural red carpet curly hairstyles. And her curl is not that dissimilar to mine. So it felt like an almost attainable thing to try. You know, Mm -hmm. when you can't just like take a picture of any celebrity into the hair salon and be like, can you do this? Because it's like, they have to have a similar hair type to you to begin with. Yep. Anyway, so... I, I, she's been my hair crush. I, I think she has really nice curls and I like the way she's, you know, worn it over the years. So let me tell you, she was born in November, 1972. She's English. She's received quite a few awards. Um, oh, she's an actress. I assume that everybody knows this, but people may not know her cause she's not a super A-lister, but I think she's got credibility and awards to her name and is quite stunningly gorgeous. So she has, she has received um, an Emmy and she's been nominated for a couple of Golden Globes. So she is known for starring in Beloved, which is Mm -hmm. a film adaptation of the Toni Morrison book. She was also in Mission Impossible 2. She's actually been in a lot of movies that aren't really amazing. So I don't know. I don't know what's if that's her agent or her choices, whatever, but she really hit the scene in Crash. So this was 2004 with Sandra Bullock. And it had a it was a movie that had a really strong ensemble cast and got a lot of attention. It was very topical and dealt with issues of racism. And she got a BAFTA for Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress in that. And that was when I became aware of her. And I think she kind of really came on the scene. So she's had some other notable roles over the years, including she was in the Star Wars story, Solo A Star Wars Story. She played Val. So, you know, getting in on some of that Star Wars action is not a bad thing. And I think it was supposed to be a decent movie, although I haven't seen it. But it is good. Have you seen it? Is it a yeah. miniseries or a movie? The Han Solo, the Han Solo Star Wars. Yeah, it's a movie. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. what I thought. But so, it's standalone. It's a standalone. Right. right. Like it's part of the Star Wars universe, but it's not part of the new trilogies. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm. You know what? When it comes to Star Wars and Marvel, some I love, some I don't care about. But I always get confused about the order you have to watch these things in and how things are interconnected. And we're trying to watch Marvel with the kids now that Amelia is a bit older. And it's like 
there's all these blog posts on what order you should watch Marvel in. Like, should it be chronological of what happens in the Marvel universe right. or when or they came they were out? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that is a question for another day. So where, where Tandy has a very big following and fan base now is because for the past five years, she has played the sentient android, the madam Maeve Millet. Well, I don't know how to say the last name because we just know her as Maeve mm-hmm. in the HBO science fiction Western series, Westworld. Yeah. And that's where she won her Emmy. And she also won two Critics' Choice Awards and was nominated for a Golden Globe, Saturn, and SAG Award. So, you know, it's a really interesting show and she's quite fierce in it. She's excellent in that show. Do you watch... are Are you up to... I'm not fully up to date. I think I watched the first two seasons, but there's... Or three, but there's... I'm behind. We're caught up. Yeah. And she is definitely a breakout performer yeah. in that. I mean, I'll say every actor in that show is pretty good. Yeah. Her, they, her character is so cool. Her character is very cool. And it's hard to say much about Westworld without creating spoilers. Um, but so I won't really, but she's pretty awesome in it. And oh, it's kind of neat too. She also. I don't think the movie was that great. The the W movie in 2008 about George W. Bush, but she played Condoleezza oh. Rice. Oh, in it. okay. Yeah. So she has been appointed officer of the Order of the British Empire, which is what? an OBE, <laughs> in a couple of years ago. That's a new year honors for services to film and to charity. Feels like such a British thing that they're like, and we are going to bless you with this title. Yes. (laughs) Anyway, so what's interesting and one other than the fact that I love her hair and I've given it to a lot of hairdressers in the past, one of the other reasons I wanted to talk about her is because I think it's really cool that... This past spring, like, I don't know, six months ago, Newton, having formerly been credited as Tandy Newton, announced that she was restoring the spelling of her name and would now be credited as Tandyway Newton. Good for beginning, her. Beginning with a movie that's come out recently that's not really that exciting to talk about. But so I got information from... Wikipedia, but also there was an article about uh, her reverting to her original name on BBC.com. Okay, so she was born in London and her mother is from Zimbabwe and her father, Nick Newton, was British English. So interestingly... Basically, she says, that's my name. It's always been my name. And I'm taking back what's mine. And this is, she told that in an, in an interview with British Vogue. So her name apparently was misspelled in the credits to her first film in 1991, Flirting, which co-starred Nicole Kidman and Noah Taylor. Hmm. So basically, as a result, she just said, I'll make it easier for everyone else. And I think now that we're in this time in 2021, soon to be 2022, where there's a lot more representation of ethnic minority groups, and that's changing the landscape in the entertainment industry, I think she feels like she wants to set a precedent, not just for herself, but for other people that you can have your name. And your name doesn't have to be easy for everyone else. And they can get used to it and spell it right and pronounce it properly. So I wonder I'll leave how you- many I wonder how many celebrities have stage names. Imagine everyone just reverted back to their regular name. It would be so confusing. It would be. It would be. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like we all we oftentimes, even on the podcast, we introduce people and then say, but you might know them as That's blah, right. blah, blah. That's right. Well, so yeah. Uh, 
I'm going to leave you with the one last quote and then it's ba- and I'm batting the baton back to you. But the, she says, the thing I'm most grateful for in our business right now is being in the company of others who truly see me and not to be complicit in the objectification of Black people as others, which is what happens when you're the only one. Yeah, that's a great anecdote. Yeah. So there you go. And she's just beautiful. Cool. Good one. Me now? It's your turn. Although I said bat the baton, but you should bat the volleyball or volley the volleyball or pass the baton. I'm going to whack the birdie. (laughs) Whack the birdie. (laughs) With a badminton racket. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yes. Right. I I meant like the CND. Yes. This next mini CND is about Bonnie Stern. Do you know who Bonnie Stern Stern is? (laughs) Yes, this is I, taking it in a slightly different direction. She is a Toronto-based chef. She's a chef. She's a chef. <laughs> Bonnie Stern Cooking School. Bonnie, thank you. So I've been a huge fan of her cooking style since I first learned to adult. She sort of got me going in my 20s. She reminds me of my mom. And I think it's because she's totally adorable and she's got curly hair and she loves to cook. And she, she has dark hair, right? Does she dark, look like your sort mom? of more auburn. Okay. Um, no, I mean, only that she looks like a mom with curly yeah. hair. So there's like something mom, familiar. Like, is she around the same age as our moms? She, yeah, like our moms are all sort of similar, right? <laughs> they they have mom vibes. And they have um, brown hair, Jewish yeah. moms. Yeah. yeah. I think Bonnie Stern is slightly younger than my mom, but sort of similar, like probably within five years. Anyway. She had a weekly column in the National Post and I used to have a subscription. So I would see her recipes come through every weekend and I'd rip them out and I have a whole bunch of them taped into a cooking binder, a recipe binder. So she was always on my radar and I really love her food style, her cooking style. It's rooted in Jewish food. It's got a gourmet twist though. So it's traditional, but modern, super easy to make, very approachable and absolutely delicious. And she plates beautifully. So it's gorgeous, modern, but comfort food is how I would sort of describe it. And like you said, she had a cooking school in Toronto, which she ran for 38 years. She has 12 cookbooks under her belt. She conducts cooking workshops and leads culinary cultural trips to various destinations. Wasn't her cooking school like Young and Erskine or something? Yeah, something like that. It's since closed, Mm -hmm. but I think, yeah. It was sort of Midtown Toronto, North Midtown Toronto. I love reading her Instagram posts and she often does trips to Israel, which is some of my favorite food, Israeli food. And she always finds these really great spots to visit and replicates them. And she's friends with Anthony Rose and Yoda Motolenghi, all of these sort of Middle Eastern inspired chefs. Cool. She's, yeah. And she's active on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, every Friday she posts her weekly challah. If you oh. if you need challah recipes, she's yes. the best place to go. She okay. breaks it down. It's super easy and has beautiful ways to do it. Like she often does challah buns and they're all set up in a tray and then it comes out of the tray and you've got all these little baby challahs, which is cute. cute. And also challah. teaches you how to braid a challah. And anyway, she's a great resource. One of my favorite brunch recipes is a French toast casserole made with challah bread. Oh, Oh, that sounds good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's delicious. It's French toast based. Well, you, I'm sure you know, if you're going to make French toast, it's far superior to use it with challah. Right. To anybody, any culture, challah bread, day old challah bread is the best for French toast. But anyway, Mm. so her recipe is French toast based. You soak it in an egg, like the French toast sort of egg mixture with spices And then you put it out on the tray and you pour maple syrup and brown sugar on it and you bake it. Oh. It's insane. It's so good. That that sounds like we need to post that recipe for our listeners. Ooh, yeah. Okay, we'll post it with our link. Send it to me and I'll put it up on the old Facebook. Sounds good. She's also my go-to source for latkes. Mm. Well, my dad is my go-to source for latkes, but as a backup... It would right. be Bonnie Stern. She also makes a really great matzo bark. And I'm just telling you the Jewish recipes, but she's got so many other recipes. Right. And that's it. Short and sweet, but worthy of a nod. 
Bonnie oh, Stern. Oh, yeah. That is so funny because when you said Bonnie Stern, I just went, isn't Bonnie Bedelia the yeah. actress from Die Hard? Die Hard. And Edward yeah. one day was like, you should do Bonnie Bedelia. I like, almost did Bonnie that? Bedelia. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, because I watched Die Hard last week. Because he loves Die Hard. And I was like, okay, but is she known for anything else? I mean, I think she did have a career. Yeah. Of other things. I, you know, I did quickly look her up. I've never seen her in anything but the first two diehards. Mm-hmm. Okay, Bonnie Bedelia, if you're out there, we hope you've had a great career and a great life, and this is not disparaging you. Reach out. Tell us your curly hair stories. Was it a perm or was it your real hair? Yes, and my question is, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Discuss. <laughs> but Bonnie, let us know. I think, you know what, Bonnie will tell us what she thinks. My opinion is that it's the anti-Christmas, like it's a Christmas movie for people who don't want to watch Hallmark movies. It's a Christmas movie because it happens at Christmas time for people who don't love Christmas movies. Yeah. It's an I think it's a Christmas movie. I mean, what makes a Christmas movie? To me, if there's a Christmas scene in it, it's a Christmas movie. But don't most Christmas movies are like schlocky and sentimental at some point. But why do they have to be? Well, I guess they don't. This is the existential question. Why do they have to be happy at Christmas? Because, because Jesus was born? I don't know. Isn't Bad Santa really violent? I don't even know Bad Santa. I. It has to be like... 80% or higher on Rotten Tomatoes or I don't bother. That's the Billy Bob Thornton one from 15 years ago. I've never seen it. Is it popular? Yeah, I think probably fairly popular. I, I bet you Ed knows it. Yeah, Ed probably knows it. But he's like a douchebag. So I don't feel inclined to Billy Bob? watch. Yeah, he's talented. And then we could get into a whole thing about support separating art and the artist but yeah because he also plays a d-bag in love actually another christmas movie right he was really good in fargo where he was yeah he was excellent he's a good actor but it was he is a good actor but i just think he's a i don't know beep 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 beep. how many beeps are gonna be in this show beep all right i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna tell you about Alison Porter. Do you know who that is? I recognize the name. Okay. She is, <laughs> she's not anymore the little girl. She was the little girl who played Curly Sue. Now that you said Curly Sue, I can picture the movie poster. Yes. I feel like she had side ponies, two side ponies, and she had her head face in her hands. Pretty much. Like there were probably a lot of press photos from that movie. You, you, you could see that movie poster and you'll be like, oh my God, yes. Because we were of a certain age and I don't think there were a lot of, other than like Orphan Annie, there weren't a lot of characters out there who had curly hair. Not that we're like the main character. Well, in the 80s, they all had perms. There are lots of curls on screen. Okay, so she was born in 81 And then Curly Sue came out in 91. So maybe it's like just the time that it came out. I was like aware of it. And I'm like, that main character who's around my age has similar hair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So her name's Allison with an Alison. Allison. A-L-I-S-A-N. And she was born in 81. She's an American pop, rock, and country singer, actress, what? and dancer. So as a child, she made her she made acting appearances in Parenthood, Stella, and I Love You to Death. But her breakout was in Curly Sue opposite Jim Belushi. And it was also a uh, John Hughes movie. Cool. Not Whoa. that it was, you know... It wasn't a great movie, but it was, mm-hmm. I think it, you know, tracked like it. What do I want to say? It broke through the consciousness like people were yeah. aware of it. Yeah, yeah. People went to see it. So, of course, 
I get a lot of information from Wikipedia, but there's also a really good article on looper.com that's why the Curly Sue actress disappeared from Hollywood. So (laughs) they say as a kid, she had what was probably the most recognizable head of hair of any child actor. Really? Well, the movie is named after Curly Sue, right? It's like the whole whole, like movies kind of named after her hair, basically. So in 91, she made a name for herself as the lovable adopted daughter of a grifter with spunk. And she had, or she had spunk and unruly curls. And Jim Belushi played her con artist father and whose heart she manages to soften by the end of the film and they have a happily ever after. Incidentally, Steve Carell was also in it, even though he wasn't really known or famous yet. Whoa. Yeah. So the film wasn't well received by critics, but she became a recognizable figure because of her hair. Now, later she revealed in an interview that she did not have naturally curly hair. It was perms, frequent perms. Controversy. Right? But this is the thing about anything that happened in the 80s, or maybe it's like late 70s through to early 90s. Like, you just don't know. Perms were so popular, and there were a lot of actors and actresses who may have had frequent perms, and we don't know what their natural hair texture is. And I guess it's not our right to know everything. Like, they're allowed to do what they want. But, yeah. Well, and some curly-haired people got perms also. Because then it would be a consistent curl. Right. Or curly-haired people like me, not in the 80s, but got my hair chemically relaxed. Yeah. I know. It's funny how things trend, huh? But you know what? The first time I got my hair relaxed, it was because they told me that it would make my curly hair more like beachy waves. And, and I kind of almost it? wanted it to look like a perm. Eh, maybe in theory, but it's also like makes it kind of limp. And then it's just so harsh and damaging. Yeah. yeah. So she was a she was in a Golden Girls episode and she was also on Star Search. Cool. But basically, she decided that she just wanted to be a kid and have a normal life. Which is interesting, and I guess kudos to her parents for letting her step away from it, you know? So in 2015, she was interviewed on Oprah in a Where Are They Now segment. Oh, boy. Right. You know, the audience always wants to know. I wonder if the actors who are invited to those things get upset by that. I don't know. Maybe not in her case, because she selected to leave. Yeah. But a lot of other people, you know, their careers fizzled before they started, really. Yeah. I think for some child actors, it's really sad. I think, you know, maybe she had strong parents and a strong personality and that she said, it wasn't fun for me anymore. I wasn't having a good time. There was no joy in it. I wanted to be doing normal kid things. Mm -hmm. Is that what she said to Oprah? That's what she said to Oprah as she wanted to go to a normal high school. And she also, I guess before Oprah, and maybe part of the reason they called her for Oprah was because she had some kind of a blog and she blogged about her struggle with addiction. And in 2014, she was seven years sober. She went on to credit her partner and children for inspiring her to maintain her sobriety over the years. And she had this rebound, this recovery, kids. And then she continued to do some local acting outside of Hollywood. And she stepped back into the spotlight in a big way by competing on The Voice in 2016. Did she? In the 10th season. She was a a competitor? And she won the season. Come on. Yeah. So she's a pretty... uh, accomplished musician now. Um, wow. she, so does she a, get a recording contract out of that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's when got you a win, bunch you of get the whole, now. Does she? Like, now she's known as a musician. This is the, the, the kind of cool thing is that she's a mom. I think she has three kids. She mo- just had another baby, like, sometime in the past year, I think. And she's had a few albums. 
And, you know, it's just, it's kind of cool. Like she was on Team Christina and she was the winner of season 10. That's awesome. It's kind of like a, a child star story that has like a, a downturn and then a upswing and an uptick. And yeah, it's kind of cool in a way to, she had the privilege of like having that experience when she was really young to give her some good connections in the industry. But then in a way, like she stepped away from it and it's, it's kind of nice, like unlike Britney Spears and Nicole Richie and Paris Hilton, when she had her hard times with addiction, she wasn't in the public eye. So she was able to kind of recover from it in her private life and then come back to like big success and fame again. That's right. And she was talented enough to win, which is so interesting. So when she was on Oprah with the Where Are They Now, was that before The Voice or after? It was before The Voice. Okay. Yeah, that was before The Voice by like a year or two. Cool. So maybe she was just feeling like she might have been pursuing music seriously at that point. Mm -hmm. That's such a great CND. And there we go. There, There we go. Good one. Okay. My last CND for today is sourced from Wikipedia and Time Magazine. As we just wrapped Hanukkah and we are getting closer to Christmas, I feel this episode would not be complete with discussing one of the top toys of all time. Oh. What toy is made of coil wire that has the ability to walk on its own down a flight of stairs? Oh, you're masterpiecing me. I love it. It's slinky. It's It's slinky. slinky. Well, walks downstairs, a loner in pairs and makes a slinkity sound. Yeah, the slinky. It was invented in 1943 by naval engineer Richard T. James. And it was invented by accident. He was working on building springs to help keep fragile equipment steady on ships but he accidentally knocked the spring off a shelf and saw it sort of walk down instead of fall and realized, that's a cool idea. That would be a great kid's toy. Wow. Isn't that funny? And then the Slinky... How many great products come from happy accidents and mistakes? Lots, lots. That's what engineering's all about. Happy accidents. Research and development. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And then it sprung... (laughs) to fame two years later in 1945 when it was displayed at a department store in Philadelphia and they sold out in 90 minutes. They had 400 units and it sold right out. And then Richard and his wife, Betty, created the company James Industries. However, he and his wife divorced pretty soon after and he left the company in 1960 to become an evangelical missionary in Bolivia. Hmm. And Betty James, who turned out to be really very business-minded, took over the entire company, and they had lots of success when she took over. Before she took over, they were sort of struggling with solvency, but she fixed it all and made it a very, very successful business. Go, Betty. And her, her way to go, Betty. And her main thing was to keep the slinky affordable because mm-hmm. she would get so frustrated when she saw all these Christmas gifts for kids that were so expensive. Anyway, this was like... Like the LOL dolls. Yeah. And so she felt it was unfair and she wanted all families to be able to afford it. Hmm. And um, even though prices fluctuated because the cost of metal would fluctuate, she always insisted on keeping it very price conscious, which is very nice. She ran the company for 38 years between 1945 and 2005. And over 300 million Slinkies have been sold. 300 million. Well... It's still popular today. That's it the, still is. the thing, the longevity yeah. of it. Yeah, totally. And it's so simple. It's so simple. I have a couple kicking around. They're really great for fidgeting, yeah. you know, because you just sit at your desk and like pass yeah. it back and forth. In addition to it being used as a toy, it was used as an extendable radio antenna in wartime. <laughs> it's so smart because you need a long wire. So you may as well use a slinky because then it packs small. Right. So if you're a soldier on the front, just like toss that slinky in your backpack. There you go. It was also used by NASA in space to demonstrate behavior in zero G. 
Oh. In zero gravity. So that's kind of cool. They should just it's take like, our hair there. Oh, I know. Remember the CNDs that were space astronaut girls? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a good Definitely. one. Definitely. I know. And it was inducted into the National Toy Hall of Fame in 2000 and was named to the Toy Industry Association's Century of Toys list. There you go. I wonder what other toys are on the list. Barbie. Hmm, probably Lego. a Barbie. Scrabble? Yeah. Or Is it a toy? Do games count as toys? I don't know. Uh, cool. Slinky. Slinky. So I'm going sl- to slink this back over to you to wrap up. <laughs> okay. The funny thing about Slinky too is that, you know, that coil, that's like what we use as like a curly haired emoji, right? The, like the, the coil. Yeah. yeah. Is that how you get the curly haired emoji? You have to write coil? Well, it is kind of just like a coil, I think. I also, at some point, when I met Edward and we started dating, I think we went to like the X or something and he won me like a little mini slinky and it was shaped like a heart. And then I went traveling in the, all through the West coast and I was leading this teen tour and I was gone from him for six weeks. And I just had my little heart shaped slinky from Edward that I would fidget with on the bus. See, they're good for fidgeting. It was kind of like made me think of him and it was a special slinky. And it was a rainbow slinky because, you know, they come out with different colors, right? Yes. Just the metal version. It was, this one was plastic. And they also have, they also have a dog. Like a dog shaped slinky? Yeah. Have you seen that? It's No. You know, the sausage dogs? I don't know what they're called. Oh. But the head of the sausage dog is on the front. Yeah. And then it's butt is on the, is on the other end. I don't know how to pronounce that dog. So that's a slinky. Slinky dog. Slinky dog. And they'll have a part of the dog on each end. Yeah. The head and the butt. Yep. So the last one I'm going to tell you about, my last CND, might be a little surprising because I'm kind of like an old lady and I don't listen to a lot of hip hop. I'm going to tell you about Cardi B. Cool. (laughs) Even though I know a lot more about Ella Fitzgerald than I do Cardi B. But Something's come up with her, not a not a huge story, but an interesting story popped up in the news recently and it made me think like, so interesting. And then when I started doing a little bit of research, like she has a, she's got a pretty astounding career. So her name also, I will try my best, is actually Belcalis Marlenis Almanzar. She was born in 1992 but we know her as Cardi B. She's an American rapper and songwriter. She's known for her candid lyrics and um, they might say her aggressive flow. Uh, She was born and raised in New York. And interestingly, she became an internet celebrity first. She was very popular on Instagram and Vine before she had a music career. And that's, so she was singing on those platforms? And she got a yeah. fan following? I That's think cool. she was just being herself and rapping. That's and cool. And singing and doing her thing, much like, you know, not unlike Justin Bieber. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. she's a little more fierce than him. Um, and then she got noticed and cast in a VH1 reality TV series, Love and Hip Hop, New York. And cool. that show depicted her pursuit of like her musical aspirations. I mean, it's it's funny because she's so on the radar of everybody now. Like, she's a big player, I think, in the hip-hop music scene. But yeah. she, her debut album was only 2018. So it's not that long ago. That's like, right. Like, she came fast and furious. Yes. Um, and fiercely. Uh, so this album debuted at number one on the Billboard 200, certified triple platinum, and was the best-selling female rap album of the... 2010s, according to Billboard, and it was critically acclaimed. It made her the only woman to win the Grammy Award for Best Rap Album as a solo artist. And Ever? Yes. Whoa. Well, then, I guess. I don't know. Since then, has Beyonce? Like, it's... I don't know. Anyway, I guess there were more female rappers in groups. Like maybe Destiny's Child did or something, but not Beyonce by herself. Anyway, she mm. um, 
was the first female rap album after 15 years to be nominated for Album of the Year. I think that's after Lauren Hill, because this was the first time after 15 years. Cool. Uh, we know. I'm not going to say all of the na- all of her songs, but we, you know, we've heard about them. So, and they're explicit. But power to her for just doing her thing and being extremely successful, and really breaking down barriers for women in hip hop. And yeah. you know, I will say that even without diving into all the lyrics of her songs, it's not, doesn't seem fair that there's a double standard that you can have a woman have a sexually explicit song and get, you know, nailed to the cross for it, basically. And when men do it all the time, it's no big deal. Nobody bats an eyelash. What's so explicit about, like, she's just swearing and stuff in it? Not just swearing. There's songs that are pretty sexually explicit. And of course, like in hip hop, there's a lot of, you know, sexuality in the videos too, and this and that. And you know, it, it just seems like fine. You don't have to like what she's doing, but it's not fair that there's such an extreme double standard and that when men do it, it's fine. When she does it, it's, you know, people want to take her down. Yeah. So basically, she's just in such a short time. She's got a Grammy, eight Billboard Music Awards, Guinness World Records. I'm not sure for for twerking. What are they for? I don't know. I have to look it up or you can look it up quickly. Um, Six American Music Awards, 14 BET Hip Hop Awards. She's just killing it. And interestingly, uh, yeah. And in 2020, Billboard honored her as Woman of the Year. And one of the things that I noticed that had come up that I thought was really interesting was a discussion on Instagram about her hair. So she shared, this is a story from Allure.com, but basically she's posting this stuff on Instagram and this is about what she posted on, on Instagram recently, like in the last few weeks. So she's basically posted all these photos of her throughout her life. And she's talking about her hair journey. And basically what she said, because her family, what's interesting about her, she, she was born in Washington Heights. Her father's Dominican and her mother is from Trinidad. And I guess people know, like, think of her as mixed race. So Mm -hmm. there's this notion. So she says that people say, if you're mixed race, you will have long flowing curls. Hmm. And she says, that's not the hair I had. She had kinky, curly, coily Hmm. hair, right? And Mm -hmm. for a long time, she found it very challenging to grow it long, even though she Mm -hmm. wanted to. Um, And she basically took steps to take really good care of her hair, treat it a certain way. She goes in depth about the products she uses and why she uses them and that there's so much more available. Like the discussions we have on this podcast all the time about how we have so much access now to all these great hair care products that weren't around 10 years ago or 20 years Mm -hmm. ago. Totally. So she's kind of been able to grow her hair quite long and it is thick and and kinky and like it's I don't know a 4C probably and um so it's it's interesting to me you should we can post the article on Facebook or you can I can link to um her Instagram story in our stories as well and it's just interesting to see her talk about her hair and the expectation from other people on what her hair should be like and then just even the notion that they were expecting her to have a certain type of hair because of her race and I think yes there is a typical like hair type maybe that goes along with different races but also we are there's a great hair care brand with a product that some kind of leave-in curl cream that I used to love, but the brand was called Mixed Chicks. Have you tried it? Yeah, I have some leave-in conditioner, Mixed Chicks leave-in oh, conditioner. Yeah. I like because that my mom, one. my mom gave it to me. She suggested I try it, so she gave me a bit of her bottle. 
Oh, your mom did. So Mixed Chicks yeah. is a really cool brand. And I like that. I think that that was the leave-in conditioner was the one I really liked. And the women who started Mixed Chicks were both mixed race, but like from all over the world. It's like there's curly hair in so many different races. And there's so many different types of curly hair. You can't, you just can't pigeonhole it. And you can't say to someone like, you're this and therefore your hair should be that. Mm -hmm. You know? Totally. It's just like she's, anyway, she she's had enough of what other people have to say about it. But basically the gist of it and what I thought was nice is that, you know, she's kind of learned to love her hair. Of course, she as a musician and artist, she gets all these makeup artists and wigs and she styles it like a million different ways. But I think she's really into hair care and um, her natural hair and treating it very carefully. So it makes me think like at some point, definitely in 2022, we should talk to a curly hairstylist or someone, you know, who can speak to protective hairstyles. Because I think that it's important caring for a 4C. So that was Cardi B. She is passionate about taking care of her beautiful curls. And I thought that was really interesting. And the pictures of her also from when she's really young are pretty darn cute. So Uh, even if you're not a huge rap fan, I have major respect for an artist who's made such waves in four years. Cool. Yeah. Quick rise. Good for her. Well, so, well, thanks listeners. This is our last episode in 2021. Thanks everyone for your support and all the feedback. Thank you for your kind messages and just letting us know that you're out there listening. We love you. Thank you you. for subscribing and following us on social media. And we hope to bring you more interviews, product reviews next year, 2022. We'll see you on the other side, friends. Happy Have a holidays, wonderful holiday. However you're celebrating. Oh, we want to see how you, if you do beautiful hair over the holiday season, please tag us on Instagram or post it in Facebook. We want to see your hair. We yeah. will ask for it. I'm going to ask for it. If sure, you've done sure, your sure. hair special, if you spent more than 15 minutes making your hair look beautiful, I want to see it. Curly or not. Curly or not, we want to. Whatever floats your boat. Bye. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye.